Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CSEP podcast. My name is Alan Selby, and I'm your host for season two of the show as we discuss all things high performance. Today, we welcome Kari Schneider to the show. Kari is a performance coach. She's passionate about making a lasting positive difference in people's lives. Kari is the owner and founder of Empower Conditioning, founded in 2005 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. She is a certified strength and conditioning specialist through the NSCA, a certified exercise physiologist through CSEP, and a technical level two Olympic lifting coach. Kari is also certified as an athletic therapist through the Canadian Athletic Therapy Association and completed her master's of science degree in kinesiology specializing in lumbar spine kinematics. Over her 25-year career, Kari has trained top Olympic and professional athletes. She has worked with chronic pain patients and surgical rehabilitations to Olympians and Paralympians. She has presented research abstracts at multiple national and international conferences, taught university courses, and is presented for multiple sport groups and private clients. Kari was the manager of strength and conditioning for the Canadian Sports Centre Manitoba from 2001 to 2006, was the head strength coach for the men's and women's national volleyball teams, the Manitoba National Triathlon Centre, and assistant strength coach for the women's national hockey team for three years leading into the 2014 Olympic gold medal in Sochi. She was the Manitoba Provincial Director for the National Strength and Conditioning Association for five years and regularly volunteers to have students shadow and learn in her gym. In 2010, Kari returned to Canada from living and working in Izmir, Turkey for two years. Currently, she enjoys living in London, Ontario, where Empower Conditioning is located and has expanded to serve clients and athletes via customized online training, wellness retreats, and life coaching. Kari loves spending time with her incredible husband, Paul, and their blended family. She enjoys coaching, running, Olympic lifting, hiking, climbing, and much more. She believes in continual learning and endless possibilities and runs her company accordingly. I am very excited to have Kari as I think she is an excellent role model and she is helping pave the way for more female strength coaches in high performance. Kari, welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Um, I'm glad you reached out to me. So actually, Kari reached out to me via LinkedIn, of all places. And uh, I listened to her podcast. It's phenomenal. And uh, so I thought I'd have her on the show today. And I uh, just want to talk to you a bit about, you know, your journey in strength and conditioning and what it's like as a female uh, strength and conditioning coach, as well as a bit about your small business and, um, you know, opening your own facility in this industry and kind of challenges you face along the way and, and pros and cons of that? Uh, there's, there's been all sorts. Um, so I, I went into, <clears throat> I went into strength and conditioning knowing I wanted to do strength and conditioning, but I was also in school for athletic training that was in the state. So I went to university of Northern Colorado first, and then I transferred to university of Manitoba. And so I finished uh, the degree, but also became certified as an athletic therapist. And everybody who taught me in athletic therapy, didn't matter whether it was the athletic training in the U.S. in Colorado or whether it was in Canada, everybody said, you know, don't just be 
a trainer. Don't just be an athletic therapist. You're going to have to do teaching with it as well to support the therapy or the training or whatever as a career. And I, I was, I kept saying back to them, well, I'm not doing teaching. I'm doing strength and conditioning. I'm only doing the athletic training to enhance my strength and conditioning career. And yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I was just going to say, it seems to be uh, a lot of strength and conditioning coaches that come from that background as well. Uh, but it's very diverse, right? I mean, I know people who did exercise physiology or masters uh, more kind of, you know, towards the biomechanics or exercise physiology side of things. And then other people who did do, you know, athletic therapy and then got into strength and conditioning through that route. But definitely pretty diverse. There's no one route you could take, eh? Well, it's exactly what you're saying because I recognized that when I took a look around, it didn't matter where I looked. I didn't see any top level strength and conditioning coaches that were female. And so what you're describing is exactly what I did, but in all realms. So I, you know, I became a certified athletic therapist. I taught in university. I taught anatomy. I taught exercise physiology. I became a clinical, well, now clinical. I used to be a certified exercise physiologist. I got my master's degree in biomechanics and lumbar spine kinematics and, you know, became a first responder. I did all, I was a technical, I am a technical level two Olympic lifting coach. So I, I did every freaking thing I could because I'm a, I'm a tiny female. I do not fit the epitome of a strength and conditioning coach, which is usually a guy, number one, but number two, you know, a little thicker, maybe a little bigger, like whatever, whatever you visualize as a strength coach, I'm not it. And so I did everything because that's what my goal was, was to be a top level strength coach. I did everything I needed to do in order to um, not have any reason why I wouldn't either know more or have more experience or um, be able to do the job to the to the top level to the best level yeah it's definitely a male dominated profession it's good to see more and more female strength coaches uh really reaching you know the professional ranks in college um so yeah i mean it's definitely i'm sure you face many more obstacles than you know a male counterpart would in this field you want to talk a bit about kind of uh you know obstacles you face along the way you touched on how you overcame them but uh maybe some other obstacles you had to overcome and how you did that um well, I mean, one of the, I became the head strength and conditioning manager at the the Canadian Sport Institute in Manitoba. So you you're familiar with it, I'm sure, through Calgary. Yeah. Um, and so I was the head strength coach, uh, manager of strength and conditioning at at the CSI Manitoba for uh, for five years, and was working with a, a number of um, national teams there, but. It, it could be a little thing like a big thing would be that maybe my opinion was overlooked initially until somebody got to know me or my expertise. Whereas I knew if I was, I knew my male counterparts would be given the benefit of the doubt before their reputation was in place. So yeah. my reputation had to really be earned before I would automatically be given the um the attention for my expertise so that would be more of a major thing but more of a minor thing along the way were things like 
you know, I'd be working with male, I worked with mostly male athletes. It didn't matter whether it was, uh, the men's national volleyball team, or if it was triathletes or, you know, there's a lot of female athletes too, including the women's national volleyball teams and, and swimmers and whatnot. But, but I'd be given team gear and I'd be given a men's small and I'm tiny. Right. So it'd, it'd be little things like that where I just, as a female in, in a male profession or generally a male profession, I, it, it was anything from being overlooked to just not having the right professional clothing to, you know, it, just little things like that. But I mean, at least the first place I ever saw another strength and conditioning coach at my level that was female. So I'm talking an international level was, um, was in Australia at the Australian Institute of Sport when we were traveling there in 2003, I think. And, uh, and I'd never come across another strength coach from any of the other international teams, any other, even university level teams that was female. And so there was one there and it was just, it just was a moment I remember back in 2003 because I just thought okay I'm not the only one that exists out here and there are more out there and and there will be more so so it was good that way yeah I mean you see more and more for sure uh you know like Andrea Hudy and um uh college and then there's Tina Murray in the NBA Mm -hmm. uh there's I believe one more in the NBA as well so it's great to see obviously you'd love to see more um what advice would you give to you know females who are starting out now in this field who you know maybe don't quite have as many obstacles as as you might have overcome but still definitely uh you know trying to make it in more of a male-dominated profession uh i would say i would say practice what you preach because there there's a lot of professionals out there it doesn't matter what the field is it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean it's strength and conditioning but there's a lot of professionals in any field out there who become very knowledgeable in their field and kind of stop walking the walk and they're only talking the talk they they don't necessarily do the things that they're coaching and as as a female especially i would say you know if you if you're going to be coaching olympic lifting well you better be working on that yourself and understanding the biomechanics or understanding the phases of the lift. If you're going to be, um, coaching on, on energy systems, then, you know, hopefully you know what those feel like, whether you're in a a max anaerobic state or whether you have had to do something that's more endurance based. So just to understand, the elements, not only from a theoretical standpoint, but also from a uh, practical standpoint, then that makes a huge difference for the athlete to be coached by you and to be respected by you because they need confidence in your experience, not just your expertise. Yeah. And I think that goes obviously for, for male strength coaches too, right? Um, in terms of you know, somewhat looking the part. I don't think you need to necessarily be super jacked or super, you know, the, mm-hmm. the fittest guy of everyone you train, but yeah. you need to show that, you know, you're, you're capable in, in doing it. So I agree hundred percent. It's definitely important to walk the walk. Um, 
let's shift gears a bit here and talk a bit about uh, your business. Uh, you own a gym in London, in London, Ontario. Uh, you want to talk a bit about kind of how you got into the private industry and some challenges you faced along the way there? Yeah. Um, you know, this, this, I owned, I, I started, I opened Empower Conditioning back in 2005 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And the reason I did at the time is if anybody's familiar with what the University of Manitoba gym used to look like, it was basically called the Gritty Grotto because it was this dirt basement training facility. And it flooded. It flooded so badly that any of our national athletes who were supposed to be training at the university um, were, we were wandering around trying to find places to train. We were training at a closed down military base. We were training at some, you know, high school gyms, wherever we could train, we were training in this, and it was prep time for an Olympic qualifier. And I, I got to the point where I was so frustrated and knowing this was supposed to be international level sport and Canada being one of the top countries in the world economically and in so many categories wasn't going to be able to compete internationally if we couldn't train properly. And so I was really frustrated and I ended up with, you know, next to nothing opening a, a almost 6,000 square foot facility that was wide open, Olympic platforms, lots of space to move, dumbbells, lots of free weights, spin bikes, you know, stuff like that. Really, it, it was way before its time. This was back in 2006 is when I opened early 2006 and the 2005. And this was before its time. This was before any functional training center existed. There wasn't any, you know, this is before there was turf on, you know, a box gym or a good life or places like that. Um, it was just, I just created what I knew our athletes needed to train in and it was a warehouse style with kind of office in front. And, um, and then I eventually, when I ended up moving for my family, I ended up moving to London, Ontario and relocating it in London, Ontario and actually buying a building instead of renting. But, but first, first and foremost to the physiologists out there, the personal trainers, the strength coaches out there, first and foremost, one of my messages would be that if you're going to be in this field and you want to, you want to make a long-term living at it um, more and go beyond what the typical capped ceilings are, then you should, you should have an entrepreneurial bone in your body. Um, because otherwise there are so many hard caps in once you get to top level of sport from a pay standpoint that it's worth your while to look into having side contracts or something else that's somewhat entrepreneurial aside from your maybe salaried position. If that's, if that's where, you know, you're in, like, you know, if you, if you look at you, you're working with a professional team. If you look at me, yeah. I was working at, with national level teams. And ultimately, when I opened my gym, I knew this. I knew that, that the contracts I would be getting from national level sport or individual paying national level athletes is, is so little. Canadian athletes tend to have so little, except for the sport of hockey, if you're a pro hockey player. But yeah. most other high-level athletes in Canada make 
hustle that I knew I couldn't sustain a business on that because most of them are dependent on carding. They're dependent on, on just small amounts of money from their sport body. And so I knew that I had to combine the concept of athlete training, but also client training. So my overall mission was that, that excellence in sport inspires others, inspires activity, inspires excellence, inspires so many things in other people. So that drew to me private clients who tended to be either ex-athletes in business, so it might have been you know, somebody who used to play university hockey, but now they're in business and they still want that structure and drive and accountability and push. And, um, or it might draw, it, it might occasionally draw the lifestyle person, the weight loss person, but still the mentality, it was drawing people who wanted to train like an athlete. It was drawing people who wanted a, a harder push than your average gym and your average personal trainer. So that's, that's what my gym ended up becoming, this environment for athletes and people who weren't athletes or who used to be athletes who wanted to still train like an athlete and have a higher level of coaching, a higher level of expertise than your average maybe personal trainer with a weekend certification. So they wanted a top level coach and in a high performance environment. And that's what my gym became. And I've actually recently, recently as of in as of tomorrow, <laughs> as of tomorrow, I'm closing my physical gym doors and transitioning completely to customize online training programs, retreats, destination retreats, corporate coaching, um, and uh, and workshops for teams and businesses. So it's it's been a, quite the evolution. Wow, was that uh, COVID inspired, or was this in the works before it? These actions were in the works before COVID, but the timing was crazy aligned, I guess. I, I was still planning on being in the gym for another. I saw a couple teams and some private clients. So, and I'm actually going to build a little, uh, a little home uh, garage gym that I can still see some individuals here and there, but I'm switching primarily to mostly other types of larger group work in person or online work that way and so it was it was in the plans pre-covid because i had to sell my building and all that happened a couple months ago but we still had possession until until tomorrow so it's uh it's been quite the the transformative evolution but uh it's all about all, from a business standpoint it's very hard to scale when you do only in-person work and there's only so much of your time so the only way that you can have more time freedom, especially when you have a family, and this is the harder part for women in that I'm not saying that I'm not saying at all that men don't want to be with their families because they do. But with women there, especially if you have children, there's a different type of demand and it becomes very challenging. And so if you want to still earn and you want to still run your business and you want to still practice your craft, then there has to, a business side of things needs to be scalable. And so when you only have so many hours in the day, the only way to make more money is to keep upping your rate. And I basically got to a point where, you know, I, I won't see a person in person for less than $150 an hour or more. And I can't keep upping my rate. I don't want to, I can't see the types of people that I want to see. I want to see all, I want to see all people. I don't want to just see people who have money. And so I had to figure out a way to scale differently so that I can help more people 
and make it affordable and also, you know, still, still offer my services. Yeah. I mean, definitely hard to scale when you are the product, right? I mean, yeah. most like you could hire people under you, of course, but then, you know, if people are coming because they specifically want to see you, there's, you only have so many hours in the day. So that's gotta be, uh, yeah, definitely tough. Um, I have a couple friends who opened up a gym about five, six years ago. I know their hours, they were working like 5 a.m. till 9 or 10 p.m. pretty much yeah. every every day. Yeah. So I imagine this will be a bit of a lifestyle change for you being able to work from home and, uh, you know, uh, not having that overhead. You probably won't need to work as many hours physically, uh, whether it be making programs or training people. Um, you could probably scale that back a bit as well, no? Yeah. Well, yeah. And it's, it's shifting it a lot. Like I'm putting a lot more hours in, but it's creating content that is, um, that I, I believe is life changing from a, a physical and mental standpoint for people's wellness, health and performance. But it, it's, so I'm putting a lot of hours in more creation, but yeah, it's, it's a different exhaustion because I would be so wiped from being in the gym so many hours, even if I had, like I had coaches and employees and we would get students from the college to shadow every every semester for them but I was spending so much time managing other people and that's what I love is coaching and transforming bodies and lives you know that's minds bodies and lives that's what I love to coach and and transform and I can't do that if I'm managing people and doing a whole bunch of admin and you know all of those other things and and I, I was fine with doing that for a, lo- a long period of time, but it, it had its price. Let's put it that way. It, it was uh, it was challenging, but um, but I mean, it's it's the love of what you do, and and that's where I've seen a lot of people in this industry. If they have their own business, they're they're trained in in physiology and biomechanics and strength and conditioning, and they're not trained in business. And so I've had to learn the hard way about business to in order to um, adapt and pivot and find ways to make it sustainable because ultimately the number one and two failing businesses in North America, maybe the world, are gyms and restaurants. So just the fact that my business has been earning and providing for my family since 2006 is kind of a big deal. And I personally don't know, I don't know a lot of other business owner strength coaches that are female who are in that role. So it's, it's kind of a hard, a hard uh, demographic to find to have a peer group or a, a mentoring group with. Um, and then, then it's like, do you have the time to have a mentoring group with that? And can you make the time to do it? So yeah, so there's, I mean, there are challenges for sure, but would I change anything? I don't think so because I, I have thousands of clients worth of experience between me and my coaches for my gym. I have, I have, you know, thousands of hours of two decades worth of experience that way. So it's, it's huge. It's, it, I don't think I'd change any of it, no matter even some of the worst years or worst times. All right, so we're going to shift gears here for a second. I want to ask a couple questions uh, about you personally. First one uh, I like to ask a lot of my guests is, uh, what are you curious or passionate about right now? Uh, I am incredibly passionate about 
changed psychology and mindset. Uh, it's, I, I've been really deep into this for the past few years. And it's because I discovered that I could keep up leveling my skills in Olympic lifting or physiology or biomechanics. And it didn't matter if that athlete or that client didn't have the mindset to, to change. If they didn't have, if they weren't thinking the way they needed to be thinking to get the next result, then you could keep putting them through the right things and they'd be holding themselves back mentally. So that change psychology, um, that's been firing me up for a while. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, I used to work, you know, doing um, personal training and see a huge range of uh, motivation amongst clients in the pro level here i think it's uh guys are generally a little bit more self-driven you don't need to uh you know use as many techniques to try to get through to them to work hard necessarily there's you know the odd case here and there of course but they made it to this level because they're inherently hard workers whereas i found especially with personal training or younger athletes there's definitely uh that's more of a challenge to overcome for sure so i think that's a huge piece uh that people should really read up on and start implementing um, next question for you here. Uh, what are you reading right now? And do you have any good book recommendations for our listeners? I am reading right now a book called range and it's by David Epstein. Epstein, yeah. Epstein, I don't know. So range, that's what I'm reading right now. Um, I read recently, so I'm probably, I don't know, a third in on this one. Uh, and it's good. I like it a lot because I like things that have um, a lot of research-based or, or research references, but also real-life application. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And then I read recently because uh, just there's a, a personal connection with, uh, if you know, Dr. John Berardi. Yep. His book just came out not long ago, and I just finished reading that prior um, but it's literally, if you're a, if you're a strength coach, a personal trainer, a physiologist, it is a how to guide step by step in what you need to do and who you need to be and steps you need to follow in order to really be effective in, as a, as a career in the health, in the health field or the, the fitness field. So yeah, that I've one, heard, that one was good. Heard great things about that one range. I think you're like the third guest to recommend that book. It was definitely, really? yeah, it's a, it's a good one. I really like that first chapter on uh, tiger versus uh, Roger and talking about yeah. early specialization versus uh, later specialization. I thought that was really yeah. well done. Today's PDC code word is empower. Please log into your CSAP portal account and use the code word empower to claim your professional development credits. Um, so here's one of my favorite questions to ask our guests is what is something you've changed your view on in the last one, five or 10 years? Uh, it's, it's what I alluded to earlier and it, it also ties into this book as well. And that, that is that I used to think that the more I knew about a particular topic, the more that would, uh, help my expertise or my craft and, in fact, what's helped me more and, and my clients and athletes more is the range of experience that I've accumulated over, I've been doing this for almost 25 years. 
and that range and that experience and just all those hours that has been far more, uh, I think, impactful than the research that I did on spine kinematics with accelerometry. So, you know, I, I, I have the information in my head, but nobody can understand the intricacies of not nobody, but the people I'm working with don't care about, about lumbar spine kinematics, but they do care that I've brought how many people out of back pain situations or how many people through ACL reconstructions or, and it's all that experience that's had a greater impact. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I mean, it's good. Obviously you need that background knowledge, but like you said, they, they don't know how much, you know, or care how much, you know, unless they know how much you care. Right. So, uh, definitely, um, you know, it's good to have both sides of that equation. Uh, just a couple more questions for you here before we uh, wrap up. Um, what's something you have failed at and how would you have done things differently if you could go back? Hmm. I've failed at a bunch of things. Um, the, I, I'd say, I'd say the biggest struggle and the biggest failing, I think, um, would have been to take care of myself. Uh, I, I got, there's so many years I was so wrapped up in either giving my time and energy to my clients, my athletes and my family that I just, I just eventually burnt out. I either was sick all the time or just, uh, just angry. And, uh, and so I, and I didn't understand that I needed to practice what I preach in that realm, in, in the realm of getting enough sleep in the realm of unwinding in the realm of relaxing in the realm of having another hobby instead of just 24 seven, you know, uh, all my yeah. work or whatever. And cause I just would eat, breathe, live my work and my clients and my athletes. And, you know, I'd, I'd have my, if my athletes were from out of town, they'd be at my house for Thanksgiving. And then, you know, it just, I didn't, I didn't create boundaries that way for protecting my own um, health and energy and, uh, yeah. And, and I learned a lot from that. Yeah. I mean, it kind of comes back to what you're talking about at the beginning of the podcast in terms of walking what you walk that applies as well to self-care, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll finish off with, uh, just one last question here. What is one piece of advice you would give a younger you? Hmm. Uh, To, uh, to, that that I don't have to try so hard and it's going to be okay. I like that. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you very much for your, uh, time today. We really appreciate it. It was great having you on the show and, uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and hopefully, you know, mentor some um, young female strength coaches here looking again to the field who need a good uh, role model who's had uh, quite the pedigree of success over her career. So I think, you know, you're a fantastic role model that way. And um, how can people get a hold of you or reach out? Um, we're on, uh, I'm on Instagram on Empower Conditioning. 
We have a private group called the Empowered on Facebook and uh, Empower Conditioning page on Facebook. And info at empowerconditioning.com will get you an email eventually to me. Um, but yeah, I, I, and LinkedIn too. We're on uh, LinkedIn, Kari Schneider or Empower Conditioning. You'll find me on both those spots on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, we, we appreciate, when I say we, I mean my business, but uh, also my husband because we've got a podcast and we, uh, we look forward to learning more about you as well, Alan, because, you know, you're, you're in the field and you're doing the things and, and we want uh, to be able to share that to our audience as well. So we've got a podcast called the, Empower, or the Empowered Athlete Podcast. Yes, I'm looking forward to being on the show. And uh, for our listeners who want to hear me speak a bit, <laughs> um, you could tune into that. And uh, also, you have some great, uh, great guests on that show. I was listening to Simon Whitfield episode last week. Always been a big fan of him. Uh, I remember watching him win uh, gold in Sydney when I was a kid. And uh, yeah, it was just oh. so inspiring. So uh, yeah, highly recommend that show for our listeners. Uh, Empowered Conditioning Podcast. Amazing. Yes. Well, thank you so much for having me on and uh, can't wait to talk to you soon. Yes. Thanks. Take care. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Kari Schneider. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast and rate it using whatever streaming service you are listening on. You can also share this podcast with friends, connect with us on social media or by email. If you have ideas for future episodes, topics you want to hear about, the contact links are in the show notes for each episode. Thank you so much again for listening, and we'll see you next time.